to District Divided, a DC sports podcast, more specifically a Washington Commanders podcast. I am Amit. That is KDOT. This episode is about the game against the San Francisco 49ers taking place tomorrow over there in San Francisco. KDOT, how are you doing today, man? I'm all right. Cool. <laughs> Me too. Um, this is going to be one hell of a game. One hell of a game. After the loss to the New York Giants, we have fallen to 7-6-1, still technically... In the playoffs, but we are now playing one of the hottest teams in the NFL. Since the San Francisco 49ers have traded for Christian McCaffrey, they have lost one game. That was his very first game where he got off the plane, went straight to the field and ran some plays. And since then, they've won all their games. Leave six. No. Yep. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Uh, seven we, are they seven and oh? Okay. Seven and oh, after that first game. So what we're going to do is we're going to break down the commanders. Let's go defense first against the San Francisco 49ers offense led by Brock Purdy right now. Mr. Irrelevant, who's quite relevant. Uh, Then we're going to talk about the commanders offense against this San Francisco defense. We're going to have our predictions as we always do. And we're going to conclude with the comment mailbag and the after the pod segment. So KDOT, why don't we just go ahead, get this episode over with, (laughs) jump into it. The San Francisco 49ers offense, we had just mentioned it with Christian McCaffrey, a totally different animal. Okay. Uh, With Brock Purdy, seemingly a different animal as well. What do you make of the 49ers offense? And talk to me a bit about the impact Christian McCaffrey has had, knowing that you're now Mr. All-22. Is that a new nickname? I like that one, Mr. All-22. I think it's cool. As dope. Um, we're fucked. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Look, man, uh, I mentioned it on the last episode. Time to reiterate it. The 49ers are not the 49ers you think they are historically over the last few years. Like they've since Kyle Shanahan has come to San Francisco, they've always been in that NFC championship. Are they gonna cross that threshold in the Super Bowl contenders? And everybody thought that the thing that was holding them back was Jimmy G. So they did the upgrade as far as Trey Lance, or the upgrade is what they thought was Trey Lance and the quarterback. Nobody really believed in it. I made predictions last year that Jimmy G was going to see, was going to have a starting time this year. I was right. And now the locker room was not behind Trey Lance, but what they were behind was um, when Jimmy G, who's their guy, went down with an injury and you have Mr. Irrelevant shows up, this is a guy you can get behind. You have to look at this guy the same way you look at Taylor Heineke. Right. He's the he's the guy that comes in. Nobody really believes, but he's got balls the size of grapefruit and he's just in there to make it happen. Now, I know you asked me about Christian McCaffrey, the way he started this entire thing off. And I've already gone on a tangent. That's but fine. It's, a, it's a team that I'm excited about if I if, if my team's not playing them. Right. OK, so um, look, Kyle Shanahan's offense has sort of evolved from what it is that we've seen that happened um previous years previous years what you what you're typically used to is a lot of uh high percentage passing run keep it really dirty the bunch of guys in the backfield change of pace backs just trying to figure out different ways to run run it running on you right now the difference is is that all those years that they've really been doing it they've been doing with no name guys I mean, Carlos Hyde, who was he before he started running for these guys? Who was Elijah Mitchell before he started running for these guys? Who was Raheem Mostart before he started running these? Felt very much akin to what it is like the Denver Broncos used to do with his dad, Kyle, with, with, his, with Kyle's dad, Mike, and uh, mm-hmm. what Gary Kubiak would do in Houston. Excellent point. Yep. They would turn these running backs with the zone block, with the way that they would run the one cut up the field. Our very own they, Clinton Portis. Clinton Portis, what you, that that year that he had, those two years he had in Denver, were like, holy shit, this man might be Rookie the best of the player. year. Yeah, it's insane, right? Then he comes to a system that he has to put on twenty pounds because it ain't built for him. But um, <laughs> the 
for the first time in quite some time, Kyle Shanahan and these guys have a legitimate stud at running back. Christian McCaffrey is in everyone's circle as a top five running back, easily number one if you're talking about receiving out of the backfield, right? So this is a guy who, as long as he's starting to understand what it is they're doing with running schemes, as long as he's able to forget what it is the Scott Turner and everybody was doing in uh, Carolina, he's only getting better. And that's last two games he's rushed for over 100 yards. He's getting hot, right? He's understanding, and he's get he's getting good with it. Then you look on top of that, they they still have the no-name guys. Jordan Mason last week behind Christian McCaffrey, four carries, 64 yards. They have guys, right? Even with Debo Samuel going out, and Debo has been, if you don't watch San Francisco, um, we look at Curtis Samuel as like a discount Debo, right? They line him up in the backfield, do everything you need to do. That's what they did a lot of last year with Debo, having him lined up everywhere, your Swiss Army Knife guy. But Debo won't be playing in this game. But even up until the point before Debo got hurt, they haven't used him the same way because they haven't needed to. There's no reason to risk the injury in keeping him there when you have a guy like Christian McCaffrey that you could just hand the ball off to. So the running game is the most legit that Kyle Shanahan has ever had. That's terrifying. Then on top of that, the thing that I've been saying more than anything is that the difference in the Kyle Shanahan offense this year is that what you think they do as far as Dinkin and Duncan, the, the, the brand on Jimmy G is high percentage, accurate passes, high percentage slant routes, screens, this, that, and the other. He's not throwing the ball down the field. Not this year, buddy. That offense has been vertical. Brandon Ayuk has turned into one of the best deep threats in the National Football League. You look at his stats, pull those up real quick. This dude has been doing everything they need him to do as far as uh, what it is you need as far as a deep threat guy. 60 receptions, 774 yards, and seven touchdowns. Then you also have a guy in George Kittle who's a problem at tight end. 593 yards on 46 receptions and six touchdowns. They're converting all these into touchdowns, deep threats. They're playing the vertical game. What they do is they beat you up with the run, that jab, right? And then that haymaker comes with that bomb right down the field, and they do the damn thing. Now, Jimmy G's brand, as far as what he was able to do at quarterback, is still true. He's not a great deep passer, right? But Kyle Shanahan has been like, fuck it, we're going to do it anyway. And the thing that happened was you had a guy in Brock Purdy that comes in that can actually throw the ball downfield. So they've been able to actually ratchet up what it is that Kyle Shanahan has been able to do on offense. The play action. And then beat you over the top. And Purdy has that Heineke spirit in him. He's not afraid to throw the fucking ball down the field. And when you have the running game that's as successful as they are with a guy who's not afraid to throw the ball down the field but can do it successfully because he has the arm to do so, they're a fucking problem on offense. So let's go ahead, and, and I appreciate the detailed breakdown from start to finish You know of McCaffrey, what he's brought to the table. The historically what these guys have done with running backs you haven't heard of. And then you talk about Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, and a seventh round pick rookie at QB that is actually opening up the offense more than it's been opened up in quite some time. So that is what we're currently going up against. Now I'll give you my take, which is that Jamin Davis needs to have the game of his life, right? So, I mean, if we look at what he's been asked to do, Right. And how much he's improved over the course of the season. Initially, people were saying he was a bust even before the season began. Uh, then he had a bit of a rough start. Even coaches admitted it. He is primarily responsible for the running back. He is one of the more athletic and largest linebackers in the NFL. He's got a tall, tall individual task of having to guard Christian McCaffrey, because you know Del Rio is going to make him do it. Let's be real. You know Del Rio is going to make him do it. Okay? Mm. Am I saying that's the right thing to do? I'm just telling you what, what is going to happen. Okay? So he needs to have a monster game stopping Christian McCaffrey. Because at the end of the day, under center, it is still a rookie. I know he's played very well so far. I know that he has stretched the field so far. And that's great. But Christian McCaffrey allows him to do what he wants to do because the pressure's off him. 
right? And so this is where it's very important to stop this new toy for Kyle Shanahan, who has been spectacular. I mean, his last three games, he scored in each one. He scored multiple touchdowns against Tampa Bay. Uh, against Seattle, he carried it 26 times. People questioned his durability. Looked just fine against Seattle. We need to, first and foremost, stop that guy. This is the best defensive line that Brock Purdy has gone up against. Chase Young is going to play. I don't know how much, but it's nice to get him back, and I'm sure he's raring to go. But what concerns me, KDOT, is on the flip side, talking about our secondary, Benjamin St. Juice continues to be questionable. And limited, limited, did not practice with an ankle injury. Camp Curl, who has been... Pro Football Focus is number one safety in the NFL. If we miss Camp Curl, KDOT, how ugly can this get? It's already going to be ugly. <laughs> how much uglier? I it mean, because uglier. he has made us a lot better. It gets ugly because it, it gets it gets uglier way, way quicker. Um, yes, you need a linebacker. You need somebody to be able to take care of Chris McCaffrey out of the backfield. You need multiple it's- to be real. But yeah, go ahead. You you do. And the thing is, is, if you're really looking at it, I don't Washington has not been great against receiving running backs. Um, it, it, now, we haven't had a lot of that tested this year. But if you look at like the Detroit game early and I understand the defense is not is, is very different or even look at Saquon Barkley last week for the targets and everything. Um, so while you need somebody to try to hold Christian McCaffrey and check coming out of the backfield, because, you know, that's something they're going to do. You still have George Kittle. And. The thing with Kittle, and you'd think, okay, if you're going to have the linebacker lined up and be looked at as far as the man, uh, have man responsibilities against Christian McCaffrey, who I I take that matchup on their side any day of the fucking week. Then I you look take at McCaffrey against anybody. I just think right, and then yeah, but then all right. So Cam Curl or someone in the is one of the safeties should drop to try to help against Kittle, and right. we get eaten in that mid-range right and um looking at we have not faced a tight end as good as Kittle all season yeah we i don't not- think we have the closest would be i'm just trying to think well dallas goddard obviously goddard. a very good one i think that's probably the closest it's goddard yeah and then on top of that so you, yeah you got you got to take care of Kittle, and then you also have to take care of the receivers out of the backfield it's and then on top of those things, one thing that we could always look towards as far as the commander's defense doing a good job at all season up until last week was, oh, they got the wrong handle. Um, the drive that New York had against us with Saquon was a back-breaking ordeal. Um, Washington has to play the game of the season that they've had on defense this week in order for us to have a shot because we're going to talk about offense in a second, which is where it gets even uglier. But the, the, the thing is the, the only way that we can keep in this is they have to contain the run mm-hmm. big name coming back. Chase Young's finally making his appearance this week. Just got confirmed by Robert, even though anything can fucking happen over the next 24 hours. Right. Of course. But, um, and you remember Chase Young in that game he had last time we played San Francisco where he had the scoop and run in for the score. score. Yeah. Um, because he didn't look good against Trump Williams one on one, I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, no, and yeah, you look at the Pro Bowlers, Kyle Usyk, uh, the, the the fucking fullbacks making the Pro Bowl, Trent still making the Pro Bowl. Jesus, this team, um, talented, really talented. And the thing is that it, when you look at when you looked at New York and said, "Oh, we line where we do well on defense is where they struggle. We should line up pretty good," and it didn't happen for us, right? Now, even though the defense did do technically enough in the sense of how many points and everything they have to play the best fucking complete game they have. What is the the point of this game is you got to kind of believe that let Brock Purdy beat you. Yes. Undoubtedly. Yeah. Look, he's still Mr. Irrelevant for a fucking reason. And he's, he's had some success early, but yo, they, every one of these quarterbacks at a certain point in time face adversity. And there right. should be no defense. They, he has not faced a defensive line as talented as we are. And if we can get back there and rattle his fucking cage just a bit, anything can happen. This is going to be a turnovers. What you've got to play. 
your fucking game. Now, the only concern with me with that is that when the Washington, especially defensive line, turns that into the focus, they lose out on the fundamentals, which you have to keep in order to keep that running game in check. So, yes, a lot is being asked of that defense, but it's it has to be asked, and they have to show up because if, if, if they get the lead going and we can't keep this thing close, it is going to be a long and painful fucking Saturday for Washington Game Manager fans. Yeah, correct. And so it's one of those things where sometimes you're just going to have a matchup against an incredibly talented roster. This is a top three roster in the NFL, in my opinion, uh, because oh, you yeah. have Philadelphia, you have San Francisco. You could make the case either way, which one is more talented. It's close. San Francisco. Um, you think it's San Francisco? It's, it's, without it's just the quarterback position. It's the, 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 the weight Fair for enough. the quarterback position, right? But yeah. um and yeah I get the tight end I get the I get the skills positions that uh, Philadelphia has but Ayuk is a revelation Debo Samuel being gone hurts but if Debo Samuel is healthy in that offense fair with enough Kittle, if everyone's healthy fine um but the one thing I wanted to well two points of sort of hope one this is a week to week league we saw the Giants get the doors blown off of them against the Eagles and then they came into our place and thoroughly dominated us let's be real. I know we had the referee stuff. I know that um, we were in the game, but we did get dominated. That's one. Uh, two, this team has gone on the road against a really, really good team. We just mentioned Philadelphia and won. So there is every reason to believe that, yeah, they could find a way to do this again. So I know we're talking a lot of doom and gloom here just because when you look at the matchup on paper, that's always what we end up doing. You look at it on paper and you go, Jesus, like this is a really, really talented team. Um, but there is also reason for hope. And I'm hoping we all are that we can find a way to squeeze a win here, because if we do, well, then we do control our own destiny still. Right. And then we have a game against Cleveland and then we have a game against Dallas who may be resting people. Yep. It, it's still technically in our hands. So I just want to make Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And it's clear. any given Sunday. Right. Like we they play the games. There is no outcome that is predetermined in football, even now, though the rest kind of make it want to seem that way. <laughs> what I would love to see. And I think this is critical to our long-term future is Scott Turner, either himself or his assistant, take notes on what they see San Francisco do on offense because he's going to see play designs. I don't think he's capable of drawing up himself. I'm just going to be honest. Go ahead, Kate. What, what is that? Did you not hear what I said about Brock Purdy being perfect for the system? I heard you. I heard you. Do you not really? All right. I'm going to tell you something before we get into all that shit. Every week before of the Commanders play, I'm one of those guys that eat, ever since I was a little kid, I play Madden, all mad against the CPU, against whoever the opposing team is these upcoming week, right? Yeah. Um, I played the San Francisco game, started Taylor Heineken quarterback. Now, once again, it's just a virtual version. I have the controls, right? So it is. Mm -hmm. what, I'm actually playing as the Commanders against the other team. Sure. I threw two picks in the end zone with Taylor Heineke. Every time that I could get down the fucking field, and it was running, 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 going forward on fourth down a bunch of fucking times, and I get there, and I threw two picks. Taylor Heineke's stats going in the halftime were like he was like two of nine with two picks. It was shit. And you know what I did? I put mm -hmm. in Carson Wentz. And I led a hell of a comeback. Now, it went forward at two with zero seconds left in the game. I didn't make it, so uh -huh. we lost the game. But, but to me, it was one of those things where with Heineke in this offense, mm -hmm. we're about to get to, yeah, outside of Heineke, what you're seeing with San Francisco's doing is the difference between the Shanahan offenses of old compared to the Shanahan offense now is that they are scheming and getting guys open and pushing the ball down the field, right? They're taking advantage of the match. Which is what I was told Scott Turner's doing. Which is what Scott Turner is doing. The problem is Taylor Heineke is nowhere near as accurate as Jimmy Garoppolo, and he doesn't make the right decisions that Garoppolo makes, uh -huh. which Garoppolo is great at decision-making. And he also does not have the armor Brock Purdy. Would it be safe to say that Kyle Shanahan is probably a better offensive mind than Scott Turner? Yes. Okay, but I mean, that's all I'm saying. You're going to see a couple play designs. What, one on guy who's above him, maybe, no, and that's an argument. Oh, no, no, we have Kyle. 
I'm just saying, how many offensive geniuses are above Kyle in the NFL right now? Oh, yeah, yeah, a few. Very, very few, if any. I don't know if there's if any. any. McVay, maybe? All I'm saying is he's got to take some notes because we got some pretty bland stuff going on. But the here's the time. point. But the point is that you know who took notes? Shanahan's taking notes from basically Scott Turner's type of offense. Well, I believe they're both His students of the same school. Hit based not- on your after the pod last time. No, because Shanahan's from a different school than um, than uh, Gibbs. Okay, but they're two different kinds of West Coast. Two different kinds of West Coast. We got the. But you also have the run, the run. But the the main thing with Shanahan is that no, no, no. The main thing with Shanahan is the run scheme that's included within his. Fair enough. Fair enough. The zone run scheme. The zone run scheme is that's unique to them. Right. Even though counter trade and stuff, you start seeing certain things that like Joe Gibbs used to do that's similar. But the way that Mike Shanahan came up through uh what the raiders and everything that he kind of did back then mm-hmm. is you see a disciple from shanahan i want to see a double pump pushing fake screen fake screen right down you the mean like the, the flea kid. flicker it was beautiful no 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 oh my god okay you know what let's talk about the offense <laughs> we're, we're already talking about it the commander's offense is now going against the number one defense in the nfl that is scary as well so we talked about hey a bit of doom and gloom there's yep. reason for hope Let's go back to doom and gloom. Uh, this is, I mean, this is one hell of a matchup because that defensive line is scary. San Francisco produces a lot of pressure in the secondary. They're doing quite well. They allow a passer rating of around 80 uh, on the season, which in today's NFL, that is very, very hard to do, but they seem to do it quite regularly. D'Amico Ryans is going to be a head coach next season. If he's not, you can say all the things about racism you want to because you'd be right at that point. This dude is meant to be a head coach in the NFL. The way his team responds to him, the way his team plays. After halftime for about four games there, they allowed zero points. And that was very recently. And then after that, they were up so much it didn't matter. They were just like, okay, seven points here, seven points there. It's fine. The highest point total they've given up one defense is 17 since week eight. All you need to know. Okay, um, we need to put up more than that. <laughs> so, K-Dot, my question to you is, how? <laughs> <laughs> All right. How? So, one would think the success of Washington comes with running the ball. So, Brian Robinson has gotten better, and for some reason, for no fucking reason, we decided that, Hey, Brian, you ran the ball effectively in the first half against New York. We're just not going to do it in the second half. Do you hear Scott Turner go, uh, well, when you look at it, we should have given him the ball more? I refuse to believe that happened, even though it probably did. So they... It's a direct quote. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fucking pathetic. Once again, I love Scott Turner's system. I don't necessarily know if I love Scott. Turner. Only teasing you, bud. Go ahead. No, I get it. <laughs> um, so one would think, okay, you're going to try to have success on the ground. And... um. Not against these guys, at least not sustained success, right? Um, they give up like three point something yards a carry, 70 something yards a game. They mm-hmm. don't let shit happen against them, against the run. I was actually pulling up their scout. Look at it defensively. They have given up 100 yards rushing three times this year. And the last time was in week seven against San uh, Each against of those Kansas times State. they've lost, by the way. Yep. So the other loss was 99 yards. <laughs> So it goes back to if you're looking at the way a recipe for success is you're going to stick with the run. So the the thing with Washington is because the guy that we have at quarterback has so far shown an incapability of throwing us out, throwing us into winning, um, which is something you'd you'd like to see happen um, in this game. You're going to have to still stick with the run. It's going to be ugly. They're going to be punts. It's going to be one of those things where the defense is sort of going to dictate how it is we're doing on this game the defense is basically our offense or it's it's the key to this right is keeping them within scoring distance mm-hmm. keep them within scoring distance because look even if you said it in that new york game right we got what felt like dominated but you're two plays away from tying the game or winning it so like that's the thing the margin of error right we can't afford to be getting blown out and if you continue to try right. to keep the running game going, you run on first down, you got two yards, okay. You're going to run on second down. You got three yards, great. Now you're at third and something. You might run it again <laughs> just to fucking keep them honest. And then maybe Brian Robinson breaks one. But you're going to have to do that consistently to keep the ball just kind of 
to keep the to keep that clock ticking, right? If that score is within one or two, to keep that clock ticking. And then the key to the game to me on offense, however it needs to happen, and whoever is playing at quarterback, because I do think there's a chance Heineke doesn't finish this game. Is, yeah, that's real. Is uh, no mistakes, no mistakes, and take advantage of every opportunity. And that's something that I've talked about ad nauseum. It's something that they have not done. You, know, you look, you call Mr. All 22. It is nauseating looking at the All 22 of missed opportunities for Washington over the last few weeks where the defense breaks down. Scott Turner or one of our guys are open and we don't make the play that mm-hmm. we have an option called and the wrong read is given the ball's given to the person that shouldn't get it. Or you had a run pass option and you didn't even look for the pass option, even though it was clear that it was right there and fucking open. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, just to quickly highlight some of the players on defense for uh, the San Francisco 49ers, because I think we talk a lot about talent and sometimes we talk about it at a macro level. Let's jump down to the micro level for a moment and name some of these guys. So uh, Dre Greenlaw leads the team in tackles with 111, which is great. Um, And then in second place is pro bowler Fred Warner, who's one of the best linebackers in the NFL. You ask anybody in the league about it. You ask any of the media about it. A lot of people mention maybe even the best. Right. Uh, Fred Warner. Um, On the defensive line, uh, there is a guy named Nick Bosa, brother of Joey Bosa. He has 15 and a half sacks this year, 38 quarterback hits. We are going to need to look out for him. Our our offensive line, excuse me, has not exactly been the best when it's come to protecting. Um, I know Charles Leno in particular had the highlight last week of Kayvon Thibodeau just beating him, but it's not him alone. There are a lot of people getting beat on this offensive line. We need to have a great game. It's as simple as that. And Heineke needs to be able to maneuver this pocket more, more than he ever has. Um, and then I believe I'm going to pr- hopefully pronounce this uh, correctly, but Talanoa Hufanga, uh, who is a safety for the team. He leads him with four. I believe he also is a pro bowler. So they've got three guys on defense in particular that are studs and have been recognized as studs by the league. If you look at some of the throws Heineke's made, and this is coming from a Heineke stand, He's got to be careful. <laughs> He's got to be very, very careful when he throws these balls that float a little bit uh, because they have Hufanga, who is a bit of a ball hawk and is also great in coverage. If you look at his passer rating allowed, he's, he's terrific. So it is going to be tough all the way through. We've talked about it, but I am curious to see, especially after only getting 12 carries and a 13th touch, which was an 18 yard reception, how heavily we utilize Brian Robinson, because even after the game, he had cited play calling. He's like, look, uh, whether it was lack of aggression or play calling, it's not up to me. We're fine. We we will learn from it. So he's speaking like a vet, but he's also saying, hey, I wanted it more. Um, even yesterday, he had mentioned, we need to be more aggressive. So you've got a rookie from Alabama. They're typically these guys that are pretty quiet, mind their own business, speaking up and saying, hey, I can do a lot more here. I'm curious to see with the level of physicality with which he runs, whose will is stronger? Because oftentimes Brian Robinson's is stronger. You mentioned him getting nominated for angry runs on Good Morning Football all the time. He got nominated again this week for carrying eight New York Giants with him, an extra 10 yards. If he wins this sort of battle of wills, we are very much in this game. That's the reality of the situation. He is going to be one of the most physical backs that these guys have gone against. He's already one of the most physical backs in the league. So just because you see the San Francisco 49ers allow 3.4 yards per carry, which is a league best, they need to go against our guy. And I have a lot of faith in our guy. It's going to be difficult. Don't get me wrong. It is going to be extremely difficult. But I want to see him get the ball a heck of a lot more. It takes the pressure off of Heineke and hopefully slows down the rush. We had mentioned Nick Bosa, 15 and a half sacks. How do you think we should approach this, K-Dot? Do you think it should be, hey, I know they're number one. I was stopping the run and we're still going to run it. Or is it, hey, we know they're really good. Maybe it's a bit of more short, quick passing, protect Heineke, make him make some plays with his legs. You can try to do the quick pass and they're good at that too. Um, That's the the defensive (laughs) backs are legit. Um, Look, it's going to have to be, it's a run first game. But yeah. it's it, it's um 
I'd like to say that we'd have somebody back there because of the skills position players that I'd take our chance of throwing the ball down the fucking field. But I little boils down to this. I love Taylor Heineke. I don't think I have not seen that he's capable of doing that. And it, every week that goes by, I'm seeing less capability compared to more capability. I'm seeing that he looked more scared in the pocket than he does look more fearless in the pocket. And if that continues on that trend, I don't see it happening. So to me, run the goddamn ball. Don't forget about Gip Gibson. It's a Correct. Tandem. Only five carries last week. They have to run both of these guys together. Look, I get Brian Robinson. You have to feed him the ball. But this is what I keep talking about. I want Robinson near 30 carries a game. But I also want Gibson near 15 to 20 carries a fucking game. Because I think you want to be Navy on offense. I want to run the fucking ball. And the thing is that like the, the thing that I that I always question as far as the uh, offense, I want more split back sets. I hmm. want both okay. of them in the backfield at the same time. So you don't know what's happening because Gibson can run it between the tackles and he can run it outside. And like I was telling Brian Robinson, if he was paying attention to this goddamn podcast, Trust your fucking speed. You are faster than you think you are. I think he did last week. And he did. That's the yeah. thing. He's starting to learn that he can put together all the different pieces of his game. He is more talented than even he knows he is. Look, he has been running like a 220-something pound running back typically runs, which is I'm going to run fucking through you. It's the thing that we wish we saw more of Gibson, right? You right. have two guys with the exact same fucking body style. And like two very different ways of utilizing it. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is they just realized and they looked at each other. almost like the Spider-Man fucking meme. Oh, sure, sure, sure. It's like, oh, I can do what you're doing. Oh, I can do what you're doing. Mindset though, right? Like, and the difference in conditioning even in college, because Gibson didn't have that many carries in college. So he's not used to doing that. Robinson is. I get it. But here's the thing. If they don't have to, if they stick to what it is they're good at, but just so flashes every once in a while, it'll mm-hmm. fuck a defense's mind all the way to fuck up. Sure, for sure. I, Wait, you know something I'd love to see, KDOT, is maybe a couple running back screens to Gibson because he thrives in space. I mean, there's a reason he's a kick returner, a punt returner in college, and now returning kicks for us. Put him in situations where he gets blockers in space. I mean, he's fast. There is no understand. reason Gibson shouldn't be going in motion and a run exactly. pass option. And a run pass option exactly. isn't Robinson, Gibson in the flat, or Heineke's keeping it. Like I, I, I that what, could be an option. That should be that should be something we're going to like. Hand the, off, the, chuck it to Gibson. One of those. So when you said that uh, Scott needs to look at Kyle, Scott needs to look at Kyle for the running game. Yeah, I would agree with that. Because he's being more – that's the thing that I'm seeing is that the running game for us feels pedestrian in the way sure, that we're utilizing sure. it. And that to me is if you have this much talent at running back, utilize this in more interesting ways. That to me has been the biggest thing that I look at Scott Turner. And I'm just like, that's the part of the playbook that I'm like, you need to do the real on because it's just talent that's carrying you is yeah. you need to scheme. And here's the thing. Handing the ball to Curtis Samuel in the backfield is not clever any fucking more. There's no, he should, everyone he knows should be getting coming. the same number of carries as Antonio Gibson, who is a Under running back. any circumstances Makes whatsoever. No Especially when you look at the skill set. There's nothing Curtis Samuel's doing in between the tackles that Gibson can't do. Yep. Yep. And so um, I just want to mention one more thing. I have a sneaky feeling Terry McLaurin is going to be completely erased from this game. Uh, just knowing what D'Amico Ryans does, what he wants to be able to do, and just noticing the tendency of how many targets Terry will typically get, I think they're going to try and make Jahan beat them. So I would expect Jahan, despite the game he had last week, to maybe be the focal point again. And the same way we're saying, hey, rookie, Brock Purdy, beat us. They may do the same thing. Hey, Heineke and Jahan, you guys have to beat us because it's not going to be Terry. It's not going to be 17. So... Yeah. That's the way I see it. I'm very curious to see how this all uh, boils down, but let's get to our predictions. Um, any final thoughts on offense, KDOT, before we get to predictions? I I am hoping to die tomorrow Heineke takes a step up. I really am. Um, mm-hmm. But other than that, uh, if he is struggling early in this game, yeah, I don't want any hesitation pulling. Okay. 
Oof. Maybe, maybe we'll talk a bit about that after the pod because I haven't wrapped my, I don't know my thought yet. It hasn't formed yet on what you had just said. Um, But let's jump to predictions. So right now, the spread is San Francisco minus seven. So we are seven point underdogs. Uh, the over under is 37 and a half, which is quite low, but you can almost understand it. They're actually, I believe the implied total is giving us about 15 points there, uh, which is around what San Francisco is giving up on average. It's insane. Um, so KDOT, from you, as always, I need a score. I need a winner and I need a player of the game. 24-10 San Francisco. Um, <clears throat> I want it to not be this way. And I think that it can be closer than it needs to be. I just haven't seen enough of us on offense to think that we'll be able to stick with this. And the 24 to 10 thing to me is we score late. Mm-hmm. I, this game, I, I I think, gets away from us quick. This is one of those games where for the first time in a long time, I kind of wish we were playing at home with the weather and everything that's oh, happening sure, sure. around the D.C. area. Um, it would be that that to me would be awesome. But it's not. We're playing in fucking Santa Clara, whatever the fuck they play out in California. Um this to me just has the markings of if I'm looking at it on paper, it's not, it, it shouldn't go our way. Okay. Um, so, and uh player of the game for me will be uh, Christian McCaffrey. I think that uh, especially receiving out of the backfield, he has success. Okay. Um, I, if I need both St. Juiced and Cam Curl to play, if they don't, it's a loss. It's a surefire loss. In my opinion, both of them need to play to be clear. Um, If they do play, if they both do play, I see some bullshit happening. Uh, And I see us winning like 20 to 17. Uh, Just because I think we talked about it last week. Heineke had to play with expectations last week for the first time almost ever. uh, Where he's favored at home. It's a nationally televised game. It's December. It's meaningful football. He goes back to what I'm going to call his comfort zone, which is no one expects anything. Everyone's talking about Carson once again. He's back to chugging beers at Caps games and stuff like that. He knows he's living in the moment. This is where he does his thing, whatever you want to call it. I think he ends up playing fine. It is a week-to-week league. Uh, My player of the game is Brian Robinson. I think he ends up getting the ball more. I think he proves that he can run against anybody, and I think that helps us win this game. But again, I need, because if both these guys don't play, if either one doesn't play, I think San Francisco has their way on offense against us. It's just too much to handle without St. Juiced and Camp Curl. This defense looks totally different without Camp Curl. So it is contingent right. on that. Um, but I yeah. so hope you're right. I really hope you're right. And I think I can see it. I can see it. But I don't know if that's more hope than it is like actual vision. Oh, I'll um, be real. Probably 80% hope on my end. But okay, it's our podcast. We could do what we want. But so. like, as we said, if they play good defense, if Chase Young comes back and he's fresh on third down and then knocking Brock Birdie down, anything can happen with the pass rush and Tom possession game, right? So like, mm-hmm. and it, it just, it's going to be an ugly fucking game. Because the two starts that Purdy's had is against a lifeless Tampa Bay team with a statue at QB in Tom Brady. He is the GOAT but he's also 45 going against that defensive line. He can't move Uh, that finished 35 to seven. Then it's a game against Seattle. I thought it was a masterful plan. Fair play to them. And Seattle, as you had mentioned when I was like, Oh, dangerous team, uh, 30th in defense. And it showed, um, (laughs) (laughs) that was maybe the worst and dumbest (laughs) thing I've ever said in this podcast, the most uninformed thing I've ever said. Um, I think this defense has been pretty good overall. And so I'm curious to see him go against, a good defense uh, go against the best defensive line he's faced and actually a defensive line that gets compared to San Francisco. So I'm curious. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this was district divided, a DC sports podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Are we doing to mailbag? the common mailbag right now, oh. which I just realized <laughs> <laughs> we got two comments from Tony. Hey, it's the holidays for everybody, man. We're, That's fair, man. We're all chilling. Uh, shout out, Tony, for the two comments. Really no, appreciate it. So we're beginning with the first one. So we're scared of a fourth and four, but we go for two when we don't have to. Scott Turner outsmarts himself out of sustained drives. JDR lack of adjustments, not pressing garbage receivers to so the D-line has time to get to Daniel Jones and not running five D-linemen at the end of the game when everyone knew they were going to run with Saquon. Appreciate the comment, Tony, and you're going to find me totally agreeing once again. Yeah, I think yeah, there were some adjustments no to make and just we didn't. 
I, I just still, I, you know what? I can't wrap my head around on defense ever. Good. And I know I've been trying to do the digging and I've been trying to find, I don't get soft coverage. I don't I understand it. It. this little shell defense. I don't understand when you're, especially on the downage that we play sometimes where it's like, you're just giving them first downs. Like I don't, I don't understand how scared you have to be about getting beat up top that you do that constantly. It's, it's, it's so fucking frustrating to me. You know what I didn't look up, but now I'd be curious about is how many 10 plus yard receptions the Giants wide receivers have had all year because they converted a fourth and nine to, I believe it was either Richie James or Isaiah Hodgins. The fact that I, I need to remember those in the games is insane. Like yeah, I shouldn't is. have to know who these people are, but this is, that's what soft coverage yep. does. Yep. Um, and then Tony's other comment, best case scenario, Scott Turner, get a head coaching job anywhere other than in Washington. I would love if he got a head coaching job. That would be awesome. Um, I don't know it's if the, I don't know if a team's going to be dumb enough to give it to him. No one's doing that. But I hope so. That would be based on amazing. what? Amazing. What team? What based team, on what? What team would? Well, you look at the Raiders and Josh McDaniels. Based on what? He Super not Bowls. good in Denver. Yeah, but like he himself, not a good. But, he, but, that, but, but the thing is that. As much as I didn't, I thought the Raiders. Oh, Adam Gase got a second chance. Remember that? There are some dumb teams out there. Gase has a Super Bowl. Yeah, but then he went to Miami. It was horrible. And then the Jets were like, let's do this. Wait, again. he still has a Super Bowl. <sighs> How long what does, does Scott Turner have on his resume that makes him get a head coach? Norv Turner is on his resume. That's not That's enough. my dad. <laughs> yeah, and Norv was a terrible head coach. So, fuck. <laughs> What? There's on a note. Unless- I would just I, let me live in the fantasy world that someone offers Scott Turner a head coaching position after. I tell you season. what I see. I actually exactly what I see. I see Taylor Heineke going to the Jets and saying, "I want Scott to be my guy." And Rob Slay says, "Fuck it." <laughs> he's offensive coordinator. You don't. Know he's not a head coach. Because I want to talk about the Jets. Let's go to after the pod. So once again, this is District Divided. This is the actual outro. A DC sports podcast, more specifically a Commanders podcast. Thank you guys for listening, Tony. I'm so sorry we missed the common mailbag immediately. K dot. Thanks for the reminder. Um, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please like it. Please share it. Subscribe to the channel, and of course, comment as you always Eat do. Eat them, Commanders. Show us something tomorrow. After the pop begins now. Uh, so the Jets, right? You mentioned that, and you mentioned Heineke going to the Jets. I think First Carson off, Wentz going to the Jets is what I really want to see. I want to see Carson Wentz fucking lighting it up in that goddamn green. Can we talk about Zach Wilson for a sec, though? And how fucking dog shit he is? He is horrible. He's the worst quarterback the Jets have had in a very long time. He yeah. might be the worst quarterback I've ever seen the Jets put. And they, they have some fucking names. But, you know, uh, the thing is, from an arm talent perspective, there's so many QBs that have the arm talent. He had some absolute wild throws at BYU. Now, there are a lot of people coming out on Twitter and saying this was always on film and all that hindsight. stuff. And that, could be, that could be true, but I, I agree. It's hindsight. There is one guy in particular, though. Um, I forgot his name. It was like Theo Ash or something like that on uh, Twitter, who actually had a 30-minute breakdown before the draft Yep, and said he had a day two grade on him. So props to him because he oh, seems to be right. The only thing That's I remember about Zach Wilson was not, I remember he was ranked fourth for me. I do remember that because okay. I started looking back at old episodes. He was my fourth grade quarterback. So I'm a big believer in Chris Sims QB rankings because I think he's had a good track record and he had yep. Zach Wilson number one. And I'll be honest, I went with just his gut. I was like, okay, cool. This guy's going to be great. Um, could not wrong. be, what'd you say? I had Fields number one. Yeah, he looks great. I had Fields number one, Trevor Lawrence number two, but Trevor Lawrence is the most talented quarterback, but I said he was going to be a bust because he's going to Jacksonville. That's fair. <laughs> uh, now, well, it, but see, that's the thing. I think coaching matters a whole lot, certainly. But, but, that's Zach, but Zach Wilson, the individual KDOT, is an idiot. I mean, again, that uh, press conference, no, dude, uh, that press conference where they lost like three other special teams, they said, do you take any responsibility or feel no, like I, I remember that. That defense. was terrible. He goes, that no, turns his head, terrible. and his dad had to tell him that that didn't look good. He didn't yeah. figure that out on his own. Not yet. But he's the thing is, is that Zach Wilson is like every entitled white 
private school kid that I knew that I want to punch the fucking he's face. Gonna, he's going to be remembered for sleeping with his friend's mom in like college. He is. Like he, there was every once in a while you'd be at the Tellytown McDonald's on Wisconsin mm-hmm. Avenue and it'd be some fucking Sidwell kid or some goddamn That's Zach Wilson. And, and he's in there and he drove yep. up in mom's Mercedes and yep. it's like and he says something to you. It's just like, who the fuck do you think you are? You're totally right that that's a fixture of the Tenley McDonald's, too. Like, you, do see, you do see mom or dad's Mercedes in that McDonald's for some reason. Yep. If they should be going on the one on River Road. <laughs> they come the one on Tenley. <laughs> All right. So it's just that's, that's uh, some upper Northwest shit for you. Um, for sure. Look, Zach. I he is to me white Jamarcus Russell. Have you seen the stats? He is white, Jamarcus Russell. Yeah, through He's, twenty-two he, starts. Yeah, it's it's a person that relied on his physical tools for so long against competition. It's not that great, mm-hmm. and when you get to the other level, you have to work on your game. And sometimes when that comes to that, to it, even if you're trying to, you've mm-hmm. never had to before. You don't even know how to learn, and it's just not going to work out for you unless you have a complete rehaul on the way that you do everything. But the thing is that once the game starts going, you don't have time to do that. So this is one of those Zach Wilson, because of his arm talent, has to make a choice. I think with the new way that they do the rookie salary wages or the scales, Mm -hmm. he's going to have an opportunity to because, look, unless he buy much of electric scooters, he might not be set for life. This might be one of those (laughs) things where he needs to get away from New York. Yeah. Spend an offseason going back to basics, retrain everything. And with a fresh start, maybe he can do something, but it won't happen now. It uh, won't It won't happen right. now. Right. My thing is, now, he's utter dog shit right now. Yes. That being said. Because that team is good. That team is really good. They put in just about anybody else a QB, and it comes to life for a little bit. They're like, East Coast San Francisco. They're, they're set. I agree. So you talk yeah. about top three rosters. I mean, I, I'm not going that the, far there. There you they're, can make the case. Soleil the is Jets are Soleil is getting more out of that. Well, they're, they're right. built really well. Yeah. One could make the argument. You would have to do some convincing, but I could see them there. Yeah. Um, that being said, the idea that his career is over is such an insane overreaction in such a QB starved league. It's Considering easy to see. the talent, people constantly try and save the talent. This happens all the time. He will be a backup somewhere, and he will get another chance to start. Absolutely. But I don't think it's happening right. in New York. I think that's done, but he will certainly get another chance, maybe even two more chances. I mean, depending. Uh, like, that's the thing. is that I. It all depends on the situation. I mean, there are guys that get different starts, but, I mean, it's like you said. I think he's... De- Excuse me. I think he's done a pretty good job as far as like a reclamation project of his image since the fiasco at that press conference. Um, he's been saying yeah. much better things even after th- that pathetic showing that we saw where he got benched for the CFL guy. Um, Shout out to yeah. Jesus. Uh, and that motherfucker was just out there. Just, all right, I'm going to run. Did you hear play. the cheers? Yeah, it felt like they won a fucking Super Bowl when he threw when every he threw completion. first completion. Yeah. It was insane. <laughs> um, but Zach, I love Jets fans. Like Go it's, I mean, it's just heartache. <laughs> heartache. I know. Man. I feel. I feel. For um, him. Nah, I don't feel for him as much as other franchises. Yeah, fuck him. But the uh, I feel for him. I don't feel. I don't feel for the Jets as much, dude. They've had to live with the Patriots winning every fucking Super Bowl, and they've been dog shit this whole time. Like it. Yeah, is I don't tough. even look at and the now Jets. They have a roster, and this is what's happening. Like that's tough. I feel for him. Nah, man, I can't. I just don't put him in a say like I up. Well, you know what? Now that I'm looking at it up until this last year, I used to feel for the Browns. Mm. I used to feel really, really bad for the Browns because the Browns are sitting there. Useless ass franchise. They had Bill Belichick at one point that goes away. They yep. see the success that the Ravens had, which is their team. <laughs> oh my God. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> in their division, they have to stare at this. That's our, that's our team. <laughs> like we yeah. have this expansion bullshit franchise, but that's our team over there and they're right. winning things. And it's just the fans in Cleveland. The only thing okay. that I give them shit for is basketball because of what they did with the whole LeBron shit. Sure. Um, so sure. fuck them on that part. And then Deshaun Watson, they have, they have lost it. Fuck also them. on, on the note of uh, the Ravens, 
Um, I know that Lamar and the Ravens have not come to a long-term deal yet. Yep. Uh, but everything you're seeing about Lamar Jackson potentially going somewhere is all clickbait. They'll franchise tag him. Absolute worst case. He's not going anywhere. I don't think he plays on franchise. <laughs> They'll still keep him there. They won't I get it. But, right. I, but, I, but here's the thing to me in the NFL. At the end of the day. Now we've crossed over to me into a position in which. You have to get rid of the guy who doesn't. I think it's turning more into the NBA in terms of the players getting more power. And you see that with the trades, Devante moves, Tyreek moves, Russell moves. Like if you're the Ravens, can you afford not getting anything for Lamar Jackson? Especially when you know you can get everything for Lamar Jackson. Dude, he's already been a league MVP. And how old is he? Like, I mean, if you're Washington, what aren't you giving up to get Lamar Jackson? Look at the entire roster. What's not on the trade? What's not for sale? Oh, you, I mean, you have to, you have, this would energize the franchise. You'd have There's a literally order. nothing like it would. It makes all the sense of the world. Unless they the want stadium pay- becomes easier. Everything becomes easier. Unless they want pain and Allen. And even if they want, no, Payne even and if they Allen, do, I hate to say it. You do you're it. probably doing it. Yeah, you're like, yeah, you well, we it. got young. We got Montez. Mathis will be back. And we got Lamar. You got to do it. This, if you're the Ravens at that particular point in time, yes, you want Lamar more than you want anybody else. Right. But mm-hmm. if he says, and I do. My thing is that I live here in Baltimore and I know what right. Lamar means to the city. There's He's nothing not to be anywhere. driving. There's nothing to be driving around West side. And you see a small crowd in the shopping center is Lamar. He, he, he means so much to this fucking town. He's not going anywhere. I doubt he does, but I'm still hoping. And I will tell every Ravens fan I see he's leaving and he's coming Dude. down 95 and he's going to be in the burgundy goal. And it's going to be with Sean Payton. Cause we're going to fire you know how him cool that would be. But if I'm Lamar, I'm looking at, the aforementioned Jets as a team that nope. is really good. Nope. Garrett Wilson. What's his name? Elijah Moore. Jet Stank. Brees Hall is a great running back. But that Jet Stank going. I think if anybody stank? can overcome it. It's okay. That's one. The two. And this Plus, is I don't the big think one, he thrives in New I York. Think, I, don't, I don't think Lamar's a good New York guy. But here's the big one Miami. Easy. Let's see what Easy happens. Peasy. Lemon Let's squeezy. see what He's amazing, with, Miami. Right? That is. Fuck. All of a sudden, Kansas City is like just got interesting, right? Like right now, I think they're still the cream of the crop. The Bills, maybe Burrow and these Bengals look good. But if Miami gets, if Miami gets this guy, Lamar Jackson with Tua, with, or I'm sorry, with Tyreek, with Jalen, like, and Mike McDaniel and that running game that we've talked about in San Francisco, mother of God. That and is, I, I think he, and I think he's built for Miami. I think him in Miami works. I think he's a certain to. city, certain cities. I just don't see him in. And I think that's fair. That's fair. But the, the Miami's Baltimore, the big one. Miami's like the clear number one destination, yeah. in my opinion. <laughs> but Baltimore just makes sense. But I, I, but I just don't know. The Ravens have their way of doing things. And um, if that, if they're still holding and it's, it's bastions of the Bill Belichick, Cleveland Brown era that they have some through lines where it's, no one person's above this, that, and the other. But when you look at that contract they gave fucking Joe Flacco, um, <laughs> they're going to have to break the bank, and they're going to have to break the records as far as guaranteed money. And mm-hmm. it's just that's what it's going to take. And if you get to a point where you have to franchise that Lamar Jackson, it's a travesty, and at that point they need to trade him because they failed. That would be a colossal failure. I just he will stay in Baltimore. Can we talk about uh, more stuff in in our realm? How about Jeremy Reeves making the Pro Bowl and how awesome that video was for the I Commanders? Cried. Who didn't? Yeah, literally it's everyone. And Tress Way's reaction, right? Like, so he gets named to the Pro Bowl. It's not his first one, fine, but like you know, excited when he finds out Jeremy Reeves He's is so named stoked. and he yeah. immediately gets emotional and. Rivera's like he's currently in a team like defensive meeting and he says, pull him out of there. Can I be here for it? Like that was. Okay. Now that's true. Love my friend. The Reeves is all when you know about what's happened with Reeves, even with this team, and there's a, uh, something that was going his around mom, oh his mom, gosh, all that, like the, the sheet that's been going around on Twitter about the amount of times he's been waived, signed to the practice squad, signed to us. And you see him get to a pro bowl level that, mentality of not giving up of sticking with it his tweets man every single time even if he got waived i'm not giving up i'm still here like amazing it's just that is 
the story of stories. It's the it's the thing that makes it's the thing that makes the NFL that the, the so special or makes sports special, right? It's mm-hmm. those moments when you're a kid alone with the football in your hand, dreaming about playing on Sunday or playing mad and creating yourself. It's yeah. those moments in which you have and for some of us that are blessed physically to a certain degree, but have the tenacity and That's have the, the spirit, right. you can do it. They're, they're like it's it, the odds are so stacked against you, mm-hmm. but for for a few for a few, you'll get there, and it'll be because of what you did to get there, and for the fact that you didn't give up to get there, and it's it's awesome. It's just it's fucking awesome. Think about the number of times you could have quit, right? Like so. First off, being a pro athlete in particular, a lot of them, the best ones, talk about the importance of their mindset and oh, their yeah. consistency and their routine and stuff like that. If you're getting waved over and over again, what is the routine? Like, what is the consistency? What is the he in all those moments continued somehow continued to find confidence within? That is why, to me, it is one of the most amazing stories, because he had numerous times where life was telling him basically quit. And he said, no, I'm going to keep going. Uh, You know, Gino talked about how haters, you know, wrote him off and he didn't write back. Great line. This in particular, I mean, and you see his emotion. He doesn't say anything. He's just, he's, I mean, wow. That was, now I'm getting emotional again, just thinking about it. Like, it it's was dope. really, really cool. And props, you know, I know that we we have our disdain for the organization and stuff like that with Snyder, yeah, bitch, uh, in charge and stuff like that. But that was a really fucking cool moment. And I think one of the moments of the NFL season across the board was that video showing Reeves' emotion making the I, Pro Bowl. I remember, cool. t- I remember talking to, um, I'm not going to say his name because I, it's sure. awkward as far as relationship, but it was through my ex-wife. But, uh, he was a guy who played for quite a few teams in the league, including the uh, Ravens for a period of time. Mm-hmm. He's he's out of the league now. Joe but, Flacco, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, go ahead. <laughs> um, played tight end. But he, uh, he, yeah. he, to hear about that grind, to hear about the uncertainty, to hear how much he had to keep going. Like you hear the Taylor Heineke story about living on the, those story, it's, it's a rough fucking go man it is a rough thing to do you have your family everyone else is in a state of pause you're Mm -hmm. never quite sure what's gonna happen and where you're gonna go you're chasing the job the guy i'm talking to in particular the guy i'm talking about in particular he went all over i mean spent time with one team went to another team went to another team went back to the first team then went somewhere completely different and then had some moments, little brief moments that you thought, okay, maybe. And then it, yeah, you didn't make the roster. And it's just, I know. Fuck. Think, think about that, man. The number of relationships you have to make all over again at a new place. If it's the third or fourth time, there could be a thought of here we go again. Some self doubt. Like it is, I don't think people talk enough about in sport, in life. Th- this applies to all of us too. Those dark moments and how isolating they can be, no matter how talented you are, no matter how good you are, your ability to overcome makes you a much, much stronger person. But my God, is it hard at times, right? And so for these pro athletes who have literally been some of the best players in college, right? And then all of a sudden see younger people because all the while younger people are being drafted. There's a draft every year, like coming in with a certain amount of pedigree. I'm talking about their draft stock. It is it's incredible. Uh, well, hats off to all those people that continue one, that grind over and over again. The one guy I talked to, he was telling me how because of his roster spot, until the last team, they cut him before his career is basically over. Because he's still trying. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of guys didn't even want to get to know because they didn't think he's going to be around. Isn't that ins- right? So the, like, isolated, a lot, bit, the right? isolated, but the isolated part of like you're trying to maybe even be the you're trying to like and everybody's just so like, dude, come on. It's <laughs> like, not it's, talked about. It's it, not it really isn't. Right. It's it whew. But I feel for him. He, he's a good guy. And I hope he catches on with somebody. I think, think he was, I think it's out. Think about Gandy Golden being put behind the eight ball, being switched to tight end. We drafted Cole Turner. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, they're just little things like John Bates last year. You think he wasn't making the team? Like it's immediately 
Logan, Turner, Bates, unless Gandy Golden plays so out of his mind at a new position that he takes one of their – like, that's just – I wouldn't mind fucking seeing him with the output we get right now. Play that. I know, right? Yeah, I was going to say. I don't know what AGG's up to, but <laughs> we, we may well have a spot, my friend. Solving Rubik's Cubes while bowling. Yeah. Probably figure out this 49ers defense. Maybe he should call the plays. Talk about offensive coordinator. Give it to Gandy Golden. I know you're thinking about it. I just want Scott Turner should give up play calling duty. I don't think there's anybody on the staff that should have that. I've happen. done my job. I've done my job. He, but he has the opportunity here. Look, he can call a great. He has called great games. He has. I, I'm gonna, I'll you go talk back about to consistency it. at the quarterback I think position. Wanted at the he coordinator. He would call a great game if Carson Wentz is quarterback. Okay, and we tell you what. To your point, we may see it. I think there's a good chance because he. You can hear in Ron. They wanted to do it in that game. Ron's looking. Ron Ron's wants to do it. Guy. That's the thing. He is still Ron's guy, which is why each time you hear Ron talk about it, or I don't like that. I don't it. like the way that's said. I don't like the way that's said because I don't. There is no this team. Rocks he traded hard. for him. Hold on, but this okay. this team rocks hard with Heineke. Yes, it Scott does. Turner rocks hard with Heineke. Yes, like it these does. guys love Heineke. They they have a history with this dude. They do. They love him. But they, the, more than anything, they know what he's capable of. More than anybody yes. knows what he's capable of. And they saw, even after last year, we need an upgrade. So I don't mm-hmm. think it's, it's not Carson Wentz is like, my. it's Carson Wentz is the same way they thought in this last offseason. They knew who they had in Taylor Heineke. They made the upgrade. I don't think it's for anything else other than there's a reason we did this, guys. We know, we believe that there was somebody better. And if there's somebody better, we need to be going to that guy. But they haven't yeah. found a legitimate enough reason to do so. What won't cause a mutiny at this point because of how much cock everybody's munching on. Oh, dude, that that after the pod rant was all time. The number it's of people getting who reached really out frustrating. Like, that's, a, that's incredible. But I'm saying it, it, the thing on Twitter and everything is so because you're starting to see people that are in my camp behind this mm-hmm. thing, which is not we're not like these Carson fucking lovers. We just are. We're, we're Taylor Heineke realists. I think is what we're talking about. I think there's a there's an idea, and it's okay. There's an idealistic aspect of Taylor Heineke that makes people believe. It's a hope and a spirit and a feeling you get with the guy, and you're winning games. And as long as those two things become the guy, I think you I have think the reality is neither one's the dude. guy. I think the reality is neither one's the guy. The only guy we don't truly know about is Sam. I'm no, just of the which idea. Which we may figure out quickly he is. I'm shit, of the idea fine. that I think everybody else's was on the idea that Carson Wentz was an upgrade over Heineke. And my thought is that yeah. this offseason, and my thought, same yeah. way I always say, is that when this season started, this team was not playing. And not just because of Carson, who needs a learning curve because he's new. And everybody talks about how fucking you give every quarterback that's got to learn a new system a curve. Period. That's just yeah, something you do. That's fair. That's right. I, and, I, I hear you on it. I but beyond you that, you also had a team that was playing fucking piss poor football. Defensively, we're playing like shit. There was no running game established, and the offensive line was changing from quarter to quarter. He still started six, seven games, and he I'm had not a saying that he didn't. But I also, right. but I also know when Carson Wentz was in there, quarterback, he was doing some things for him good. And the thing is, the thing is to me, the 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 storyline there, the narrative that exists, right? Yeah. With Taylor Heineke compared to Carson Wentz is what bothers me. Is you have people that like go to bat for this dude, and mm-hmm. I'm like, I look at Carson Wentz and. Why isn't the story about in that uh, that Chicago game where he broke his fucking finger and still played through it? He gutted through it. Like, that to me is a... Yeah, any the block other... on Roquan. You remember that? That was live stream. There right? are so many fucking moments where you yeah. look at it and you're like, why would anyone question I this guy? <laughs> like, but we don't I talk about it in that clear, rarefied I don't, hate, air. I don't hate Carson Wentz. I don't, I don't think y'all hate him. I think that you guys no, love. No, 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 no. Hold Taylor. on, not you guys. I'm just talking about me individually. Oh, fair don't, enough. don't fucking group me. Oh, I'm grouping all of you. I'm sorry. It's this is gonna. <laughs> well, I know it's been happening. All I'm saying is I don't hate Carson. If if there has been enough mental change, because I still think that needs to happen. The way the team is playing aside, 
that needs to happen. We talk about the importance of confidence. We talk about the importance of routine, et cetera, and stuff like that. And, and to your point, there is a with learning time. curve that comes with the new offense. So I hear you. I hear you. Um, if it if the mental changes have occurred and the coaching staff sees it, fuck it, go ahead, because he may be the guy. Um, all I'm saying is I don't believe that is the case. I just want to make that abundantly clear. That's my position. I, I, I haven't seen enough to make a ruling on whether or not the or whether or not the trade for him was worth it. OK, that's where so, I'm at. So I haven't seen that yet. So we got to wrap up the segment. Yeah, Quick yes go. or no. Does Carson Wentz play this Saturday? Tomorrow? No, and I think it's to the detriment of the team. I'm going to go no as well, just based on my prediction. That being said, I think really you and upset. I both would not be surprised. No, if he ends up playing. I don't think anyone should be surprised if he, he should start. <laughs> but he you're just going to throw him back start. in against the number one defense in the NFL. He should have been starting. You know he should have started since last week. I'm willing to bet if we go fucking started since last week. If we go three and out, he might honestly. It's be not going to happen. That won't happen. That won't happen. We if, talked if about Taylor Ron throws, wants to. It'll Ron be two turnovers. To. Two turnovers or a two uh, two score deficit going into the second half. I think those are your benchmarks. I think it'll only take one turnover. If it's one Not turnover, like it, it has to be a Heineke turnover. It's like if Brian Robinson fumbles, that has nothing to do with. I thought he should have been benched after that fucking fumble touchdown recovery against New York. Dude, I'm playing Taylor. For that. Okay, you talk about the all twenty-two. I saw it on that one. He had nothing. Blind side. Ron said. Totally I know get Ron it. said. I do know you... Ron said he needed to get rid of it earlier. Yes. You look at his read. Hold on, but completely. No, draped. get rid of it. Completely draped. Get rid of it. You can't take a sack there. Get rid of the ball, asshole. I, w- I would That's say a- his pocket awareness is generally good. And when in that game, good there. <laughs> That's the point. Is that it's you have to get not try to make the play. Get rid of the fucking ball. You can't get hit there. He was trusting our man of the year. What happened, Leno, my friend? Even if he doesn't fumble, what happens when he gets sacked right there? How close are you to the end zone? Yeah, but he's not in it. Fuck out of <laughs> here, man. <laughs> All right, we got to go. We'll talk to you guys later. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. We'll see you on Monday. In D.C., we're just hoping that you listen. 